Welcome back to Zillennial Big Sis. It's Emma here, your Zillennial Big Sis. I'm so excited for this episode because I'm interviewing my really great friend, Stephanie Schlichting. Steph, funny enough, was my little in my sorority. So I guess she's my little for life. After college, she moved out to Denver and started dating this guy. Um, there was a long distance relationship and she'll get into it. But we both, funnily enough, had gone through breakups two days apart, very different breakups. So we're going to be diving into that, diving into moving out of your hometown post-grad and a little bit into attachment theory and just a funny enough story about how the attachment theory book got a man to fall in love with Steph. So we're going to talk about that today. So I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode. Let's get into it. This, you, you probably have to confirm that the recording can happen. Um, Got it. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. I, I wanted to leave. What if I just left because you were recording? She said, actually, I don't want to be recorded right now. I think <laughs> the podcast live isn't for me. So thank I've you actually for asking. told you that I would do this, but I didn't know it was being recorded. And so I'm out. She said, scrap the intro. Conversation. <laughs> scrap the intro you've done and find someone new because it's not me. I'm not your girl. <laughs> I love that your last intro was... No, it's not a ghost. It's me. <laughs> Welcome to Zillennial Big Sis, Steph. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor. It, it is really such a delight. I recorded an intro before this, giving the listeners a little bit of a background, but like, I don't think they understand what treat that they're in for today. Well, it's very exciting because you are technically my big sis. So you're just yeah. here to give me advice. Oh my gosh. Let's be honest. In that relationship, who was really getting and giving advice? That is the question. <laughs> I think it was 50-50. The road <laughs> went both ways. <laughs> a good split for sure. Um, so just to get started, can you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself? Who are you? Who is Steph? You know, when I was going to business college, they did tell me that I would have to prepare an elevator pitch. And I think this is the first time I may ever have to use one in my life. Let's see here. I'm Stephanie Schlichting. I went to Ball State with Emma, which is how we know each other. May have been chirp, mentioned chirp. in the intro. Chirp, chirp. Thank you, David Letterman, for all you've done for us. I now live in Denver and I've been here for about a year and a half and I love it out here. And yeah, I'm a single girly who's in my early 20s, just making it through life. I love. Okay, perfect. So for some background of how Steph and I met. So I mentioned earlier that we're actually sorority big and little. But it's funny because when recruitment was starting, I was already a member of the chapter. And Steph, you're from like Chicago land, like the suburbs of Chicago. Heck yeah, I am. Her. Um, I never want to offend no. the Chicagoans. <laughs> Purr, I can't. Purr. <laughs> that's, that's the word I need to like leave my vernacular because it came out during a business meeting the other day. I literally said purr. That was me when I couldn't stop dabbing. And it was <laughs> a year after the dab really took off. And people were like, why do you keep dabbing after every sentence? I'm not going to lie. I'm like really happy I did not witness that or don't remember that. <laughs> I'm so happy that it's not burned in your memory like it is mine. I remember like a lot of things about you that you don't even remember, but like your dabbing phase, I don't remember that. So thank God. <laughs> it's a thing of the past. It I really got out is. of it. It's done and dusted, as they would say. 
So how we <laughs> done and dusted. Done Absolutely. and dusted. So how we met is I remember before recruitment, I was approached by a woman in my sorority and she said, Emma, there's this girl going through recruitment. Her name is Steph and I'm obsessed with her and I love her and she's great and I think she could be her little. And I said, we'll see about that. And then they paired me up with you during first rounds of recruitment. And I was like, wait a minute. She's pretty damn cool. I love that you tried to big dick me that you're like, yeah, no, I'm, we'll see. I don't know if I'll like her. Every time in recruitment, someone's like, I'm like obsessed with her. She's everything. I'd be like, okay, we'll see. And not in a way of like, oh my gosh, I'm better and I know everything. It's more so sometimes the people that are like really hyped, I don't see it. (laughs) You were the biggest critic, but they did call you in. You were the Simon Cowell. If we had, you know, a vote that we just weren't sure about, you were the Simon Cowell that gave it to us straight. Oh my gosh. But that that's like a lot of pressure because you handled it gracefully. <laughs> gracefully, like <laughs> sobbing about a girl <laughs> that I don't even care about because they're like, I'm right. think. What do you think about her? <laughs> I don't know what I Isn't think. Isn't that protected by ritual, please? <laughs> no. What are they going to do? Find us? We're way past that. Oh, yeah. So Steph and I, we met during recruitment. Um, my first impression of Steph is she's like, The best way I can describe her is she definitely looks like a runner. She's, like, gangly and cute. And she has, like, a very fun and, like, spunky personality. So it was a very good combination. And we just were, like, shooting the shit the whole time. And I'm sure people... Because, like, I had people from other chapters literally talk about, oh, my gosh, Steph Schlichting came to our house. And I think she's going to... I think she wants us. I think she's going to choose us. And be like, (laughs) why are you talking about a PNM to me? That's so weird. But you but can't. honestly, that was the greatest week of my life because I felt so wanted. It was <laughs> such a good ego boost. I wrote on that for the rest of college, like people <laughs> wanting me to be in their sorority. You said everyone wanted me. And also, so like for some background stuff, tell like you rush as a sophomore though. Yeah, which is also why people wanted me in their chapter because I knew someone in every chapter So it wasn't like I was really blowing them away. They already knew me. So (laughs) I, in like recruitment, and I promise we're not going to talk about being in a sorority for too long. Steph was the president after I graduated. So it's funny because my last semester, Steph was the president trying to keep like everyone in line, which was also when COVID happened. But I was the one like causing a lot of problems with her. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You were raising hell. (laughs) She constantly had to be like, shut up, Emma. We're trying to get through chapter in 30 minutes. That was my whole goal is to get everybody to stop talking. You were like, Emma, I remember one time we did ritual and you literally looked to me before, like we were going to the student center and you go, Emma, you were going to guard the door today because you were way too distracting. (laughs) (laughs) You were a nuisance during ritual. And I... I was standing here. I had to do my thing and I had to be like a point person. And I'm looking over at you trying to give you like the eye roll, like the casual side eye being like, shut up, Emma, shut up. And you never noticed and you just kept softly giggling to yourself. 
so bad. I like didn't mean to cause problems, but then I would make eye contact with someone and then they'd start giggling and then everyone's giggling. (laughs) You were the root cause of all the problems. So I had to put you in the back corner. No, literally. It was me standing alone in the back of the room, guarding a door. Like someone's going to bust in here and try to steal our secrets. Hey, you never know. You really never know. They said there we're in a leak. People who have full careers surfing through Greek Greek rank and different websites trying to find those. So now that we have some background on how we know each other, how we met, let's talk about our favorite things and our least favorite thing. My favorite thing right now is if you haven't listened yet, Snoop Dogg's children's album is actually a banger. And I think he actually wrote it for everyone with mental illness because some of his songs are like I look in the mirror and say I love me. I am the best. I love me so much. I mean, that's not how it goes at all, but I'm obsessed with Snoop Dogg's children's album. It's a really good thing for his career. Yeah, I I love that he's practicing affirmations in the mirror. I that's know. really great for him. <laughs> he said, let me put down this weed for a second and tell some kids what's up. Honestly, keep the weed. Keep the weed and the affirmations. Together, they're a powerful force. One of my current favorite things, which I think now I get it, it's like Oprah's favorite things. Is that the vibe that we're going for? Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> I was thinking it was like when you fill out one of those sheets on the first day of school, that's like, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite animal? So It could be any favorite thing, but... I really had to backtrack a little bit. But <laughs> right now, I'm obsessed with this Republica... No, <laughs> cut it, edit it. I really love this replica perfume called Coffee Break. It's I'm wearing it every day. It smells so good and it's a very good like scent to wear into the office. It lasts all day, but it also doesn't like choke anybody where they're like, that is very intense. Yeah. So that's my favorite thing. You know what I love is my second favorite thing is also a perfume. And it's my Valentino perfume. And I love it because it smells... Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It smells so good. I was using the YSL Libre. And then, you know when you wear a perfume for too long that you can't, like, smell it anymore? Yeah. It's like when you eat the same food every day and you never want to see it again. Yeah. It's like I went, like, nose blind to it. So I wanted to try something new. So I got this Valentino one. And it's honestly amazing. It's stunning. The bottle... My second favorite thing... I did not think this through well enough. I just had abstract ideas. Let me think. It can be an abstract idea. It doesn't have to be an item. <laughs> no, I just like ran through a few ideas in my head. Oh. All right. <laughs> but I never like pinned one down. The only one that I... You asked for a single question to help you prepare. So this is the question I gave you. And I didn't prepare. And didn't prepare. That's exactly <laughs> how I'm built. <laughs> Such an over and underachiever at the same time. It's it's honestly wild. Oh, thank you so much for noticing. It's actually a really hard balancing act. Okay. I think one of my new favorite things, especially right now, because I love interior design, mm. is that 70s style is coming back. And mm. these mushroom lamps, I am very much loving them right now. Like side table lamps? Yeah. I mean, they are side table lamps. They can go on your bookshelves. 
but they are all shaped like mushrooms and they're very cool. I'm literally Googling it right now. I think I know what you're talking about. But like- I do have a like $13 one from Ikea mm. and it really adds something to the room. Oh yeah, that's nice. That is There's nice also lamp. nice like that blown glass art style where they have those. Those are more expensive, but yeah. I really like that 70s style is coming back. Love. I think our white walls need a little bit something fresh and different. And these lamps are coming back with it. I love that. No, that's a great favorite. Um, and because I believe in ending on the negative, um, <laughs> let's do our least con, favorite con. Yeah, no, that's a great favorite. So least favorite. So this is the least favorite fact that I've learned in the past month. So I just want to preface this by saying, since my roommate introduced me to chai tea, lattes, sorry, just chai. By the way, fun fact, if you say chai tea, chai means tea. So it's like saying tea, tea, latte. So chai latte, right? (laughs) I did not know that. That's very fun. Yes. So chai lattes. I've been obsessed for like a year. And I believed, similar to green tea, I said, okay, this must be a healthier alternative. And when I get them at Starbucks, I get them iced and I do not ask for any added sweetener. But I get a venti. I Hmm. looked up how much sugar was in one of these. Steph, you're going to be astounded when I tell you in a venti chai latte iced, there's 60 grams of sugar. (gasps) 60. No. 60 grams. And when I tell you that has like ruined my life, I think when I stopped drinking these every day, because there was a point in time that I was having probably like three weeks and I can like slip them down in 10 minutes. Okay, wait. Can you look up one for me? Yeah. Okay, so I get a... We'll say venti just for the sake of how many grams of sugar are in it so we can see and compare. Mm -hmm. But I get a matcha latte. Mm, Matcha might be... It's definitely going to be less, but it's not going to be... Okay, Starbucks. Okay, it's less, but it's 32 grams. Still more than I thought. Oh, they are pumping that sugar in everything. No, literally. So if I looked up how much sugar is in a Coke, there's 39 grams in a Coke, like in a 7.5 mini, like, sorry, no, in a 12-ounce can of Coca-Cola, it has 39 grams of sugar. And I'll sit there and be like, I can never drink that much sugar. And then I'm drinking a chai. And like, the problem is if it's a venti, I'll slurp it down in literally like five minutes. Mm, I love that it was such a flex when we were younger to be like, oh, I don't really drink pop. Yeah, no, I don't drink pop. And now we're all drinking hundreds and hundreds of calories in Starbucks drinks. Mm -hmm. We have gone nowhere. We have, you know, taken three steps back. I swear that like when I stop drinking a chai every single like, like multiple times a week, because my thing is when I think about 60 grams of sugar, like I want that from ice cream or like brownies. Like I don't want that from a chai. No, I mean, it's not worth it, especially in liquid form. It's just not satisfying, but that is my current least favorite thing. What is your current least favorite thing? Okay. I have a couple. I don't know how many I'm allowed to have, but you know <laughs> what? Pop off. Because this is where I really start to shine is by talking about things that I don't like. We love it. 
One, you said in your last episode that you hate New Year's Eve. It's so boring. New Year's Eve is my least favorite holiday by far. That's why we get along so well. Right. When was the last time that a New Year's Eve has met your expectations? Why are these girls wearing tiny little sequin dresses? It's negative 15 degrees outside. Mm -hmm. And even just the expectation that I have to stay out until midnight, even if I do stay out until midnight, still makes it unsatisfying. It's like you have a predetermined bedtime almost. And it's not going to be, it's going to be later than midnight because who wants to leave right at midnight as like, if you're out, no, I agree with you. It's like actually one of the worst holidays. I just don't like the fact that people are telling me, oh, you have to stay out until this time. Why? So I can watch people kiss each other? No. No. So this year I'm boycotting it. (laughs) I have to like show out this year because Peyton is coming for New Year's. And she's like, what are we doing? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> now that's on you. You should have said, I'm actually not hosting anyone this year because this is my holiday to hide in a sleeping bag. <gasps> oh my God. I forgot that that means her and Tess are going to stay at my house. Yeah, you're a host. And you will carry the responsibility of making sure that they have fun. Oh my God. No, Which it'll be great. They it'll will have fun and they will say at least 50 times how much fun they're having, but yeah. you did this to yourself. Maybe I can like pawn them off to the Eisenhuts. <laughs> like literally be like, hey, do you want to stay at the Eisenhuts house? Because I literally said in my episode, I won't host because I don't want to start the New Year's with mess. Or you just don't want to wake up on your day off because New Year's is a vacation day. And say, okay, who am I driving to the airport? Who am I making sure gets breakfast, gets fed? What are we doing? What are our plans? Like, that sounds really stressful. I didn't even think about this airport situation. I didn't think about any of these details, actually, until right now. Oh, my gosh. I have to be a host. I have to be a mother. (laughs) A mother. (laughs) I'm a mother. (laughs) I have another thing. Okay. Pop off. One of my least favorite things is shopping for work clothes mm. because we still have the expectation in corporate America to cover up, to wear a certain style of clothing that you are not exposed. And yet everybody who's making work clothes is either making it for women who want to dress like they're above 50 years old mm. and they're so conservative and not cute at all or they're trying to pass off things as work clothes for like young women and they're like tube tops I cannot wear a tube top to the office I don't know who told you that I could but let me send over the handbook for you so that you can start designing cute clothes for me Shelly at HR would have a heart attack if you wore a tube top to the to the office (laughs) It would be jaw-dropping for her. It would be jarring. She would be like, fuck, I have to do so much paperwork now. Oh my gosh. She's probably just be like, throw on a blazer over top. Nobody will know where your neckline is. Just don't make this an issue for me. 
by the way, I will say, so no one can see because this is not a video podcast, but I had decided to not record at my desk and I'm currently laying in my bed with my head just like resting on the top of the headboard and my body just like at a very awkward 45 degree angle. <laughs> I love that we both have buns, but you can't see them. So we just look like we might be balding women. <laughs> we definitely, yeah, we definitely went for that shaved head look. Um, we both have our skincare on, like it's, it's really a vibe right now. And it's editorial is what it is. <laughs> it's avant-garde. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's I might camp. do the light eyebrow with this slicked back look. Okay. Steph, this is not a hot take and I'm not fucking with you right now. I think you would look so good with a, like a bleached eyebrow. I think if we were in 2005, Tyra Banks would look at you and be like, sign her. Sign her immediately. <laughs> she looks like an alien goddess. <laughs> Before on this podcast, let's point out that you did refer to me as gangly. And I don't think that's usually a top model description. What that they're like, oh, sh- they're all gangly. You think? Girl, they are lanky women. Well, also, my spine is permanently contorted into a C from my posture being so bad. So <laughs> I think I'm out on this one. I think that this one's not for me. He said, I don't think America's Next Top Model is my move, but that's okay because I believe in you and I'll be your manager. I'll be your momager, actually. Please, I've been looking for a Chris K. I'll take you to casting calls. I guess I she's Chris J. She is Chris J. She's I can't so, believe I just botched her name. I mean, she is an icon. She's an American hero. Amazing. Okay, so we're back. Um, we took a quick little break because I do not have Zoom premium and Steph and I are Gabby gals. But so let's get into you moving to Denver after college. So what made you choose Denver out of all the places? Hmm. Good question. So my junior year, I went to visit somebody in Salt Lake City and I really liked the mountains, but I did not want to live in Salt Lake. And then probably a year before I graduated college, my sister moved out to Denver. And so she kind of convinced me like, hey, you're going to have family out here. And I already was wanting to move out West. So it really worked out. And I really wanted to be somewhere far away, like try to grow and develop and move somewhere that's a fresh start. I had this internship that was remotely out of Colorado Springs. And so I just assumed that I would go there after college, but that offer didn't work out and picked a new job and stuck with Denver anyways. Wait, I love that. Um, I obviously like did not move after college, I mean, I moved the town over, but I do think that like, it is such a special skill to have. Like, if that's what you want, like if you have the itch to move and like, I'll break it on this podcast. I've literally been thinking about it recently about like, is that the vibe for me? So like, we'll have to talk about that in a later episode, but, um, this is why you're coming to Denver in February for me to sell you on this city. No, even though the last time I like visited you, like the one thing that I have is really bad. I get really bad altitude sickness. It did go away after the first day, but like I drank half of my Moscow mule at our first dinner. And when I tell you, I I had the dads immediately, like I made your roommate pull over the car so I could run back into the restaurant to take a shit. 
And that was bold and brave of you. Thank you for not shitting your pants in my roommate's Audi. Like that was very <laughs> respectful. Yeah. I really said, I I want Steph to have this relationship. And what's funny, so I visited Steph in the, was it the spring of this year or the fall of last year? Mm, it fall. was the fall of last year. It was November 6th, 2021. Oh my God. You really remember the specifics. Yes. For some reason, like dates stick with me. So if I like, I know a lot of people's birthdays and I know the year that we went into like World War II. I love that because dates do not. So this is how we like compliment each other. I remember stories, you remember dates. So like, this is perfect. But I feel like the stories are far more important than just a simple date, but perfect. (laughs) I think like they're both very important because I also like some of the details aren't great. But when I visited Steph in Denver the first time, I had thought that she was living with her roommates. Like I thought that Steph was like pretty established in Denver and I did not know that she wasn't established until because one of her roommates asked was like, hey, can I go to dinner with you guys? And we're talking about very and I'm like, oh my God, of course, like she can come and stuff's like, yeah, perfect. And I'm talking to this girl asking her very basic questions like, oh, do you have any siblings? Like, are your parents, you know, tell me about your family and stuff after we get back to the house. She was like, wow, that's the most I've ever learned about her. And I'm like, what do you mean? That is actually thinking about the timeline right now. I moved in the day before Halloween. I had known her for a week. I thought that you had lived there for like at least a month. No, I was nowhere near established when you came to visit me, which I had a tiny bedroom, no room to host anybody. I knew nothing about Denver. I was like, I have no idea what to do with you. Places to eat, places to drink, over my head. Which is so funny because I really just, I was like, oh my gosh, she's showing me the authentic Denver experience. So it'll be fun to see like the difference when I visit this next time. But because obviously you didn't know your roommates very well, I, and like your room was really small. I slept on the couch. And this I think is one of the funniest (laughs) stories. And your roommate to me is a very well-rounded person because of this, like your old roommate. I, we were going to bed on a Saturday night and she comes back and she's talking about how she went skiing all day and she did a ton of cocaine. Like she just, she did so much cocaine And she's just talking about, she was like, I was coked out, all this. I went to this bonfire, I was skiing all day. Like, she's talking about all this. When I wake up in the morning, it's Sunday morning, I wake up on the couch to Christian music, like Hillsong United playing, and she's getting ready to go to the farmer's market and church. Absolutely. No, she is a modern Renaissance woman. (laughs) She's dynamic. And I think that that is something that was so fun to live with her because she never bored me. And I always was entertained by her presence. Like we never had a dull conversation. So when you moved to Denver, were you single or were you in a relationship at this point? No, I was fully in a relationship that was about to be long distance. Okay. So tell me a little bit about that relationship because we're going to transition to this section. So Steph and I actually found out, well, Steph knew I found out when she visited me over Thanksgiving that we had actually had our breakups for our relationships two days apart. But I told Steph about my breakup and she just wanted to give me time to mourn. So um, she didn't tell me about hers until about two months after. So (laughs) it felt like very wrong for you to say, 
I just broke up with my boyfriend. And for me to be like, me too. Like I just (laughs) felt like I was taking the spotlight. So I was like, we'll just check in on her. We'll ask her how she's doing. Eventually she will find out, you know, I'm going to archive my Instagram pictures and she's just going to go and she'll eventually notice. And you know what? It took me asking you, oh, how's it going with your boyfriend? For you to go, no, we broke up. And I said, okay, perfect. Because Steph and I are very low maintenance friends in the way that we need a six hour catch up when we talk, but like we don't need to be constantly texting all the time to keep our friendship alive. I was going to say we absolutely could text all day, every day because we do have that much to say, Mm -hmm. but we're also people that would rather be in the moment. And I think we both have problems with object permanence. Absolutely. If we don't see someone, we kind of forget that they exist. Yeah. And then it's like such a lovely surprise. It's like, oh my gosh, Steph. You do exist. You are still alive. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) I love it. So like, tell me about your relationship in that transition to being long distance, especially because you do struggle with object permanence. (laughs) Oh, 100%. But I, we were always long distance in a sense because we met when I was in Indiana and my ex-boyfriend is from Wisconsin. So we met long distance. Then I moved to Chicago for two months to stay with my parents before I moved to Denver. And I think that that was probably an hour and a half drive. That was the closest we were ever to living like in a short distance relationship. Which is so interesting. I just have to say, because a funny part of the story is when Steph was visiting Indiana She came and at the time I was working at a wedding dress shop. I was like doing their social media. So she modeled the dresses and that, and he like slid up on the wedding dress. And like, that's how he, that's how he slid into your DMs, right? So we met through a mutual friend because he sent, I guess he asked our mutual friend if I was getting married because he saw the picture of me in the wedding dress (laughs) and I'm no child bride. So I told our mutual friend, Tell him very much that I am not getting married and I would be happy if he reached out to me. I love that. So then he did. He thought you were getting married. So he slid in and then you had a long distance relationship. So when did you guys actually start dating? Um, We started dating that summer that I was living at home and we just kind of picked a day because we never, he never like looked at me and said, do you want to be my girlfriend? And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my God. Yeah. And we just picked May 15th. And I think that was 2021. I don't know how years work anymore. Coleman makes everything confusing. No, literally. But yeah, May 15th, 2021. That sounds right. So we started dating that summer. And we dated, like I said, I was an hour and a half away. So I would just drive up there. And I didn't have a job at the time. I was about to start work, but I could do whatever I wanted. Mm. So I would go up there from like, Thursday to Tuesday and then go home and like clean up for a little bit. Also, I absolutely could not poop in front of him or fart in front of him. So I had to take those two days really to reset my body for a while. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny that you say that because I think like early dating, even though I was not long distance, I refused to when my ex, when he lived in like the same town as me, um, when I was still at my parents' house and he was at his apartment before he moved to a different house in Indy, um, I would literally leave every morning 
and I would say, oh, I can't see you during working hours as a joke, but it was because I had to poop. And I was like, I'm not right. going to poop in your room because he had taken the fan out of his ceiling. And I knew that you could hear someone in the bathroom because I had heard him in the bathroom. So I was like, I'm not doing this. So literally one time I was so desperate. He was like, let me, let me walk you out. And he gets it. He's putting on his shoes so slowly. I mean, I have shivers going down my spine. I have to go to the bathroom so bad. There's like a McDonald's across the street. When Oof. I tell you, I like, I drove across the street and sprinted into that McDonald's and the old men that were sitting by the door <laughs> that were eating their breakfast, they, <laughs> they just knew. They knew what happened. And it was just because I didn't want to poop. Everybody does. Yeah. So like, Did he know for- that that's what you were doing? No, not until I told him. But of course I told him because I tell people everything. There's no mystery about right. me. Um, but it's so funny because like, I can't believe that you were able to make it five days without pooping or farting. It was like my body was in fight or flight mode. <laughs> so like all of my bodily organs shut down and just my heart would race. And <laughs> my body like could not feel anything. And honestly... <laughs> I could like, sometimes he would go off to work in the morning, but my body still knew I was in his environment and wouldn't let me like, it was like, uh, uh-uh, no number two for you, sis. I said, sorry, wait till you get home. Wait. I love that. So I lasted like, a long time with a, a lot of Wisconsin beer and cheese in my system. Like that is bad. So what was the hardest part about doing? Cause you went from like long distance, like an hour away to moving to Denver. So you're transitioning to a new city. So really in this situation, I am the equal to your ex. Yeah, you're right. You're like they, you were like the one who was moving like further away. Um, what was that transition? Like was what were the challenges and like the nice things about it? Yeah. Um, I think that we just thought because we were so happy and that we liked each other so much that everything would work out. Mm -hmm. But we didn't set any expectations about Mm -hmm. how often we were going to communicate. And that was really hard because I think we discovered pretty quickly that I wanted to communicate less than he did. Mm. I also was starting so many new chapters of my life. Not only was this a relatively new relationship, but I was starting a new job and I moved to a new city where I was making new friends. So I had all of this change surrounding me and I had so much to do like work happy hours or discover a new place in Denver. And I had so many priorities, but he was living the exact same life just with me a little bit more out of the picture. It's so interesting that you say that because that's one of the things that I knew, like why long distance, because when my ex moved to Philly and we went long distance, well, one, my job, like I can travel whenever it's, that's the nice thing about it. So like I knew I would probably go fly out to see him more, but it's exactly what, like for me, long distance was just like a single part of my life changing. But for him, it was like his whole world was changing and I think that's like a really big, that was a really big like disconnect for us that I don't think we ever really talked about. And I think like, it's interesting being on like flip sides of the coin. Neither one is like better or worse. They're just different experiences. I think like if anyone goes into that situation where one person is going long distance, like he chose to go for a job. Like he was seeking that out. You were seeking that out. Um, No one is like better or worse for that. I just think like, 
being very clear that the person who's leaving is completely changing every aspect of their life except you. And then you are in like the position where you have more comfort. So there are going to be times that like you might have to sacrifice a little bit more. So for me and my ex, it was very clear. I We'd always had the same idea that unless we both knew that we were ready to like potentially be engaged, like I wasn't going to uproot my life and move to him until we were both very serious. But your ex was pretty like, he was pretty willing to move to you, correct? Yes. Actually, that's part of the reason that we kept dating. Post-grad, I knew I was going somewhere far away and meeting a guy wasn't going to change that. And I just didn't really have any, any intention of dating someone before I went to a new city. And then he made a comment that one of his friends and him have always wanted to move to Denver mm-hmm. and that they had planned to move to Denver the next year. So I was like, oh, wow, great. This will be fine then. And that made it sound like it was more worth giving a shot, giving it a shot. Mm-hmm. So we did it. And, you know, it wasn't awful. For me, though, I I was that person who was building a life for myself. And that takes a lot of time and energy. I was also doing a nine to five where I called people all day. I was in virtual meetings with people all day. And my battery was spent yeah. once I got home. So for the expectation to jump on another FaceTime call or have another phone call with somebody, that's just what it felt like, like a burden instead of something I wanted to do. It's so, it's so interesting that you say that because that's like, that is almost literally one thing that my ex mentioned was one thing that was hard for him was he enjoyed the parts of dating. That was like the 99% of the time where you could go to the grocery store together. You could just do laundry together, like all of that. And I miss those times too, being in person, but yeah, it's just like going. And again, I was in such a different situation where I'm not on calls all day. I don't like, I don't have a nine to five. It was, that's something that now looking at it in like retrospective sense, that it was a part of the relationship that I just like didn't even understand until it was over. Mm. And talking to you about it is so interesting because I think I was like, oh, this could be just unique to us. But I think this is really good for anyone who's going long distance to know what it kind of feels like on both sides of long distance. So what's your attachment style, by the way? So I'm definitely an avoidant attachment style, Mm -hmm. which just basically means that I like to frame it up as I'm very concerned with the other. Mm -hmm. So with the other person in in the relationship. And I think that for me, it means that I I don't want to be with somebody unless they're a positive reflection of me because I have the self-confidence in myself to know that I would rather be alone than be with somebody who isn't exactly right in my eyes. But going back to what you said about the 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love going to the grocery store with somebody. That's when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's my ideal way to spend time with someone. Also because I hate the grocery store. (laughs) But when it was, it got to the point where we were only FaceTiming once a week because that's what I wanted. And we were not texting in between. Mm -hmm. We were barely communicating. And that's where I felt at ease. And even on that one day where we had to FaceTime, I still saw it as a have to instead of a get to. 
Plus, you and I probably relate on this where I really was carrying the conversation so much of the time. And it was because I put myself in that position. I am a talker. But then when it got to the point where I knew on the FaceTime call that I would be bringing the content and I would be saying the material, it was it was hard on me. Funny enough, um, my ex is a very big talker as well. So I don't it sounds know. exhausting. It, there would be times like we would we would if we got in like spats, a lot of it would be um I wasn't finished or I wasn't like that. That was like constantly like we were, and it wasn't in a way that like we were fighting for it. It was actually good. I realized like I can't be with someone who's like super quiet because I would feel just like you did with being exhausted because there's something like almost that you feel like an entertainer. I don't want to be an entertainer in a relationship. Um, Mm. And I wonder how, like, how did your, do you think your attachment style came in with, your relationship being long distance because being avoidant and long distance is pretty hard. Actually being avoidant and being long distance in a long distance relationship is where I thrive. Really? Yes. Because being an avoidant attachment style means that you highly value being self-sustaining and that you really like your independence and there's nothing more independent than being in a long distance relationship which is what I learned over time. But it also, our attachment styles started to clash more than ever when we were long distant because I was so comfortable in that space. Mm-hmm. And I really loved having my own life and I loved having my own things to do. And I thought it was actually funny that I only spoke to my boyfriend once a week, mm-hmm. which for him is totally unfair But every single time that he brought up that he wasn't happy with that arrangement, I felt like I was being nitpicked. So it would go after each other's attachment styles because Mm. he was getting more anxious because I wasn't allowing what he needed in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling less independent because I had somebody who was trying to connect with me more and I was not for it. Yeah. That's so interesting. Um, I would never, I like that makes a lot of sense with avoidance, like because you have that self-sustaining mindset. I think so before we did this podcast, cause like Steph is the attachment theory girl. I retook my attachment theory cause we did it in college, but I had not been in a serious relationship yet, but I got 75% secure and 63% anxious. And I can tell you that my anxious attachment style only came at the end of the long distance relationship. Like it only came when I was like, Oh, I can feel that the impact was coming. Um, that there was like an impact of being distance on the relationship. So I felt that like, like creeping in and it was interesting because that was something that then he would point out, he'd be like, you're not usually like this. And it came to a head one day. It was actually, um, right before my friend's wedding, And all of my friends were calling their boyfriends, like all of them, like that were there. There was three of us, three other girls there, and they were all calling their boyfriends, talking to their boyfriends. And I called mine and he didn't answer. And I was looking at his location and it said that he was at a hotel. He was at a restaurant that was underneath a hotel. Um, (laughs) And he was out with a guy that was in his apartment. And I was just so pissed because he had like texted me from his watch and was like, 
I'm out. I'll call you later or something. But like, it just, I didn't feel like I was getting the communication. And I have never done this before in my life. I called him seven times, I think. And I sent him like maybe 10 texts because every girl that was there was like, every girl that was there is an anxious attachment. And I can tell you absolutely. They were like, no, call him, blow him up, do all of this. And it felt so out of character. It felt so out of character for me. And then when I finally got a chance to talk to him, like I just broke down and he was like, this is so different for you. And it was just because like that piece of the puzzle just wasn't fitting. So it's very interesting how your attachment style can change in a relationship. Oh, 100%. And it can get, you're probably not going to change your attachment style you know, within a few months of a relationship, Mm -hmm. but you can have it be more severe or less severe based on the partner that you pick. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the beginning of our relationship, we were probably our most secure selves, but as it got more unhealthy, it was very clear, like who was taking what role. And I don't want to discredit anybody who's anxious because it really can be brought about by somebody who is avoidant because you can Mm -hmm. sense them pulling away. Now, at the same time, if somebody starts with an anxious attachment style with a relationship with me, they're not going to get very far because (laughs) it's something that I know about myself now. And it's not like I, you know, I'm taking away a certain percentage of the population of people that I could date, Mm -hmm. but I just know what would work best for me. And it's somebody who needs their own space too. And also wouldn't pick at certain things that make me feel like I need to run away. Yeah. That's so interesting. Um, That is like, I think, so what, what's the book title of the, where people can read if they want to read more about the attachment theory, because this book was passed around our friend group. Like once you read it, it it passed around Ball State really. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I loved this book. I read it junior year of college and it really changed my perspective on things because I was going through these relationship patterns where I was falling into things with people where I was like, do I even like this person? Mm -hmm. Or I was getting the ick a lot, which I know is such a big word right now, but I was genuinely feeling those feelings of avoidance. And the book that I read that like changed things for me is called Attached. And it's by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. And they are writing this book in a way that has narratives in it. So you can read it like a story, but it's also backed by science and psychology. And I love it. Oh, that's so amazing. Um, To segue. So if I just want to like, this is a story that I remembered that Steph didn't remember. But like when I tell you that this book has made its rounds, Steph, I just need to tell them about you okay i need you to tell them about the time that you gave this book to a man (laughs) because i think he fell in love with you after he read it (laughs) well i was on this journey in college to fix men which Mm -hmm. i do not recommend (laughs) but when i was talking to this one guy and i don't even think we were talking as much as we were just a casual thing but i remember him telling me like a few stories and a few snippets And I was like, this guy really needs to figure out his attachment style because (laughs) I feel like I have figured it out. And now it's time for me to give him the tools to figure it out for himself. 
It's Listen just funny. To me, I sound like my therapist. No, it's funny because like you, the part of the story, like to describe this man, think about every college's frat daddy. Like he was the man yeah. that was probably five seven. He was the bartender at at Brothers. He was in a frat. He he was the frat daddy. Like everyone knew who this man was. Here's also, the thing: he wasn't five seven. I think he was five eight and a half, which is Steph. No, <laughs> let's not lie. Let's not inflate his. Maybe his like hair, but like no, but like think about because this is what makes the story so rich is the fact that right. he's like a frat I can daddy. describe it that way. Okay, so basically, mm-hmm. this is a guy who's just known for hooking up with a lot of people on campus, and maybe has stuck around for too long <laughs> at Ball State. And by maybe, I mean definitely. And when I was a server, he was a bartender, so. That is where I got my interaction from. I was like, okay, higher power. Also, bartenders, kind of hot, kind of hot. Bartender, <laughs> absolutely. All right, um, I'm with the bartender. She's looking at me. Everybody mm. gets it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just feel like he had this reputation where he was a player and he didn't date anybody. And that was exactly who I was looking for because I didn't want to date anybody. And I wanted somebody who had exactly that mindset. She said, you, I like you. We're going to, we're going to not make anything serious out of this. (laughs) And I also knew that this is the exact opposite of the person that I would want a future with. Mm -hmm. No offense to him. He's a lovely man, but he and I would not have done well together. So I knew that this is perfect for casual fling, right? Like that's all that anybody got a sense of for it. He will make a great husband someday, but like not then. That was not the day. No, absolutely Mm -hmm. not. I think he was hooking up with like three other girls that I knew at the exact same time. (laughs) Probably, probably. Um, So you give him this book. Yeah, well, we had probably like casually hooked up for two months maybe three months (laughs) and here's the problem if you're going to do a casual fling you need to know that after the hookup you need to pack up your stuff and you need to get the fuck out of there you need need to go home yeah because if you stay and you try to chat with the person then you learn too much we're on a tight schedule (laughs) we need to go home and I was sitting there taking in like this man's life and his past lives, hearing about his family and his other relationship drama. (laughs) And I shouldn't have done that. Like, why was I there being this man's therapist? Too many girls get caught up into this loop, I think. So, I mean, like, what is better than the male redemption arc? We all want it. We either want to be saved by a man or save a man. There is no in between. (laughs) And I am particularly motivated by trying to get guys to like me. Like, even Mm. if I'm like, there's really nothing that's going to happen here, but I would love for you to have feelings for me. You, yeah. You'll leave like, (laughs) there's like the special, I would say almost that you were like a siren. And if you were the siren, I was the bulldozer. Like you were the (sighs) one who was luring them in and I was the one knocking them down. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I love your approach to men because you're like, I have no interest in you paying me any mind. I'm going to say exactly what I feel about you to your face. Yeah. I like do not care. There is zero fucks given. 
Also, I think siren is a little bit too high of praise. I'm no Cleopatra, but I also went for men who I felt like given enough time that they would fall in love with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And you said, you know what this man needs? He needs a book called Attached. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So because of all those late night chats, I had diagnosed him in my head as an anxious avoidant, as a man who really does try to protect his heart because he would fall pretty easily for somebody. So he is avoidant with women because he doesn't want to get himself in a situation where he would get hurt. Mm -hmm. Right? Absolutely. And I gave him the book and he read the book and then he said that he he had to drop it off at my house because it was getting to the end of college and I needed the book back because this book is my saving grace and I need it in my possession at all times. And he gave Sorry, I'm back. free laughing. <laughs> and he gave it back with a plate of chocolate covered strawberries. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry if you're listening to this. But they were homemade. They were homemade. Yes. He made them. And a sticky note. I have the sticky note. (laughs) Wait, you have it? Because it's stuck to the inside of the book. I might might puke. This is so... Oh, my God. Wait, stop. Do you want to hear it? This is is the sticky note. She has it in her hand. I'm ready to I'm hear it. so worried. I'm so worried. <laughs> it says a chocolate covered strawberry. Dot dot dot. Sounds sweet. Looks delish delicious from every angle. Oh, I'm sorry. It says looks delish from every angle. Might be a little unhealthy to the outside eye. Dot dot dot. But to somebody who gets to enjoy the strawberry, they know it's refreshingly wild colorful and very very good for you thanks for being my chocolate covered strawberry love your friend (laughs) it just makes it so funny (laughs) it's just so funny because i'm like He said, I feel seen. I feel heard. You are my chocolate covered strawberry. And I love that because (laughs) it's just too good. (laughs) (laughs) And to put this in perspective for anybody who is anxious and (sighs) fooling around with an avoidant attachment style, because avoidant attachment styles are really, they're oftentimes just not ever going to give you what you want from them. Mm -hmm. But for me, I loved intimacy and I loved deep conversations and I wanted to form that bond. So I felt so bad because I was fully leading this man into thinking that we were in love. And I did not mean to. I just wanted a regular Monday night dick appointment. That's it. Yeah, that's the siren in you. That's really that like, that's the siren. You have that lure. But I just like, I love that because it's so interesting, especially in dating, like modern dating. Um, I mean, like your guys slid into your DMs. I'm at my guy on a dating app. Like we don't really, everyone always is talking about their Enneagram and their 
horoscope and I don't feel like not like enough people are talking about their attachment styles and how that like impacts the relationship. So I think that's so that information is so good. And I would definitely recommend you checking out the book. I will link the book in the show notes. So if you're interested in reading, then check out the show notes. Um, Heck yeah. I honestly should read it again because it's that good. But also like, just to humble myself, I've definitely been like on both sides of the coin where I have been the anxious person. Mm -hmm. So like I said before, who you are talking to and where you are at in your life and your self-confidence especially can affect which version of yourself you show up as in your relationship. Ultimately, you were the one who did the breaking up, correct? Correct. Can you explain that situation? (laughs) Yeah, thank you for the follow-up question. I didn't know where I was going to go with that. Um, Yeah, I, I guess I figured out that I needed to break up with him when I started therapy and I was describing our relationship to my therapist, Lisa, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say her name. You absolutely Wait. can. You are not bound by any rules of I was like, is the client therapist privilege like go both ways? Is this HIPAA? No, no. I will talk <laughs> about has, Camille all day on here. <laughs> she has her name on the door. So I think it's fair, but I was describing it to her. And I think that I was sugarcoating a lot of things. And then one day I was just like very blatantly obvious with her about what I saw the relationship as and whether that was true or not, it was true for me. Mm -hmm. And she was like, if you really think that you all are that polar opposite, because I was talking about how I like to see the bright side. I love silver linings. I love being social. I want to go out and do so many things and meet so many people. And I didn't see that in him. And he had other good qualities that I would highlight to her. But she was like, if you really see him as a black and white person and you are a gray area person, then I think we should talk a little bit more about if this is the right relationship for you. Mm. Mm. And she didn't tell me what to do by any means. But at the end of the session, she did recommend a book to me called Love Yourself, which was (laughs) all about not being with a partner who you are settling for. So I got the message loud and clear. <laughs> she said, as my, as, and I asked my therapist all the time, I'm like, Hey, can you tell me what to do? And she's like, uh, no, you don't pay me. Like I can make, you know, suggestions, but you know, it's very clear when they offer you a book. Yes. Like- <laughs> when she found out that I was a reader, she was like, okay, perfect. I, I can give you all the answers and messages that I want to blatantly say to you in this book. I also, if you are looking for a therapist, this is one of the questions that I asked. I really like when people are blunt and straightforward with me. Mm -hmm. So I asked her in my phone screen, I need somebody who's not going to make me like discover the answers of my life. If she has a direct opinion on something, Mm -hmm. would you be able to give me something directly that is coming from you instead of helping me find it myself? And she said, Oh, girl, absolutely. I'm not afraid to share my thoughts on a situation. We love that. And I just simply went to the easiest, most convenient therapist I could find, which was the one who is my older sister's therapist in high school, my younger sister's therapist in college, and now my therapist. <laughs> so, yeah. I love so that. So she, she was the one who kind of made me start to 
really think about the breakup conversation, even though I had been journaling for about a year at that point, And I started reading through my journal entries and I kind of always knew in the underlying message of my writing that I was supposed to break up with him. Mm. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it without the help of someone else telling me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I had a concert on Monday where we had tickets and I was very excited to go with him and some of our friends. And then I had a therapy appointment on Friday. Mm-hmm. So I knew it had to be somewhere in between those two things where <laughs> I just told him what I needed to say. And so I went over there on Wednesday, smack dab in the middle, and told him how I was feeling. Like I wasn't feeling 110% in anymore. Mm-hmm. I was getting really down on myself because I couldn't deliver for the expectations that he had for me. Also, I don't mean to cut you off, but one part of the story is he had moved to Denver. Not technically totally for forgot. you, but with his friend. So, Yes, he actually moved to Denver. And I would say that I was 33% the reason that he moved to Denver. Mm, a good he wanted to get out of Wisconsin. He had never lived super far away from his family. He was mm. ready to like grow in a new city. And then another part of it was that he was moving with two friends who they were going to have amazing adventures. They were going to be able to go skiing and they love hiking. I think they did like eight 14ers in a few weeks. Still haven't done my first one. I was like, okay, yeah. show offs. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're just like different people. And I love that for them. I shouldn't yuck other people's yums, but not for me. Wow. What a phrase. I love that phrase. Don't yuck other people's yums. But, so yeah, you guys, so he had moved so it was the first Denver. time you were dating non-long distance. And how long exactly. was that time period before the breakup, though? So the time period before the breakup, like how long we had dated? No, like that he moved to Denver. How long was that time that you were in person, not long distance before the breakup? Yeah, so we had <laughs> dated for about a year and a half. And he had lived in Denver for about four and a half weeks. You know, when you know, you know. (laughs) I think, so we had had problems before the breakup. It's not like, oh, he moves to Denver and I decide to break up with him. (laughs) We had had a lot of long lasting fights. We had even gone on a break the week Mm -hmm. before that he moved to Denver. And that was, you know, a mutual decision that we both needed And then when he moved here, we came together and we were like, actually, we think that this can work. And what if it's amazing now that you live here? Mm -hmm. So it was filled with what ifs. I'm really happy that I knew what the relationship was like when we lived in the same city. Yeah. Because I don't have to question that. But once we lived in the same city, it was very apparent that I was not made for him anymore. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. This is actually something that is very pertinent. My therapist told me today that what ifs are just the future taunting you. And she was like, if you sit there and you just think about the what ifs all the time, you're like, you're literally spinning your wheels because you will not know until you're in the future. And that was a very big challenge for my breakup is like, we didn't, we never made the move. 
And it was all because like, what if I make the move and it doesn't work? It was very difficult. I've been on the side where I've been broken up with. Mm -hmm. And I felt like my heart was ripped out of my chest. And I was like, there could be nothing worse than this. And then on the other hand, I had months of mulling over a decision, trying to figure out what to do, trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what was best for me. Spending hundreds of dollars on therapy, crying, you know, journaling, meditating, trying to figure out anything that could help me get some clarity on the situation. And I can promise being somebody who breaks up with another person, you have to do a lot of your work and a lot of your healing on the front end. So by the time that you come to the decision to break up with somebody, you are probably a little bit farther along in your healing process. But it's not like one is better than the other, especially when it's somebody that you really love. Man, yeah, it really fucking sucks. Like, honestly, that's so interesting because the breakup with like me and my ex was considered mutual. And then we had the period where he was like, oh, I think we should get back. Oh, I never got a chance to tell you this. So this will be an update for you. Um, He was like, oh, I think we, I maybe want to get back together with you. Like my life would be better with you in it. And then we had that period of time where we didn't talk at all. So he came and visited for Thanksgiving and um, he was there at night. He stayed over the night. Um, We talked and talked and talked and other things, which is funny because when we broke up, we did not like have any physical contact after we broke up at all. But then like when he came and visited, it was like, bam, magnetic. And it was hard because we were like completely back to where we were, but we couldn't like pinpoint it. And I felt fine when he left on that Friday morning uh, with us like still being broken up. Saturday, I was like, fine. I was getting on the apps, which is so stupid. Like, that's not the first thing you should do. Even though it had no. technically been two months, that was like more final. And then Sunday morning, I woke up. And when I tell you, I felt this deep regret in the pit of my stomach. I texted him and I said, I regret breaking up. Can we talk? And he had not responded. I went to cycle bar. I cycled for 45 minutes. I then called my childhood best friend, Allie Stroop, and talked to her about it. And I was like, I honestly feel like I need to just leave everything on the table because when I saw him, I was trying to be like this cool chick, all of this, but also like mind it. I like mentally definitely not in the best place in my life. And that's why I'm like very glad I'm in therapy right now. But mm. when I tell you I called this man, thank God he answered. But I sobbed and I am like pouring I'm like please give it a chance like I knew and it's something I talked to my therapist about today I knew that like we had kept saying when we first broke up oh my gosh like if we're meant to be we'll find our way back to each other but I knew in all reality like we live long distance like he's in Philly I'm in Indy like what are the odds we're going to run into each other or we're going to want to jump back into it long distance after being broken up like I knew that like if I didn't fight for it now, I would always regret it. And when I tell you it was one of the most humbling slash <laughs> embarrassing moments in my life, not even embarrassing because like I had to really be honest with him, but I mean, 45 minutes of me just like, just begging essentially, which that's the more like embarrassing part because I feel like you should never have to beg for someone to want to be with you. And it wasn't that he didn't love me. And like at one point, you know, he cried and he was saying all of these things, but 
it came down to the point that he said, Emma, we've talked about this so many times. We just need to stick to our guns. Like this is making it harder. And he goes, I want nothing more than to be friends with you and to like keep you in my life. But like right now, I think we especially need time apart and I don't. And it was like, he said this and it doesn't, it didn't like hit me until recently. He said, I've been through this before. Cause he had had a breakup where it was like very sad that it ended and he still loved the person, but it was like very different. And he said, don't do what I did and like completely close yourself off. I want you to talk to your friends and like lean on them and like get support from them. It was one of the lowest points of my whole fucking life. Like I have never imagined myself crying to a man saying like, please take me back. I'm literally begging this man to get back with me. And it just didn't happen. But I felt like so that felt so cathartic to be like, I left it all out there. Like there was nothing that was left unsaid. So I have no what ifs with that. Like I know if I did not call him, I'd be thinking about it forever. The moments after a breakup, I mean, like when I tell you, I felt in the deepest heartbreak hell, but I also was in the most like in the clouds in the relationship that it's like, I finally have coming out of like that haze and that fog. And I'm like, okay, I will be okay. I'm going to survive this. It's going to be like fine. And it's crazy because you had to actively do that while you were still dating someone. And I honestly think even though we broke up mutually and even though he still had a lot of love for me, I just don't think that he knew how to break up with me. I think that he would have done it earlier. I think that is probably a lot of, a case for a lot of people. And something that my therapist told me after I came back to the session on Friday and said, well, um, we broke up and I had the conversation. She was surprised. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised that she was surprised. But she said, it shows a lot of emotional intelligence that you were able to do that. And I really respected her saying that. And that was something that I had to take with me because it was a moment of strength to be able to break up with somebody. And so many people don't have that tool in their toolbox. Yeah. I didn't have that tool in my toolbox. (laughs) I had to grow it in therapy. It's, it's so wild because like, I do not think that anyone has lived a unique experience And that's one of the things that's like given me solace and like, it's kind of comforting. And when I post my TikToks and I see people who are like, oh my gosh, I'm in the exact same position as you. Like you got this. Nobody that I've ever talked to, whether they still loved the person they were cheated on, has ever said that a breakup was easy. (laughs) Like, no. Oh my gosh. And if it was, then you were either in eighth grade and you Mm -hmm. texted them to break up with them or you just don't really have a lot of empathy because that should not be the words that come out of your mouth during a breakup. One thing to kind of tie it back in and go all the way to the center. After I had my phone call with my ex, (laughs) I drove straight to my friend's house. But I had an epiphany while I was sitting on that couch that when I met him, he had always known he'd wanted to move. He had always known that this was not his place for him. And he did not expect to be in a relationship. And I was the one who took him by surprise. And my part of that, like having me was like the hardest part of it because he loved me and cared about me so much. And he was shocked by that. 
that it changed a lot of his plans. And I almost think, and I, I like don't want to assume what he's thinking, but I almost in my brain, the way that I can rationalize it is he moved to transform. I was yeah. the one thing holding him from transformation because I was, I was like in this different area. I wanted him to potentially come back to Indy. I wanted these different things. So for him to feel like he's fully transformed and to really embrace this new environment that he was in, he had to let go of me. And like, I don't know if that's how you felt, but like when, I don't know if that's how you felt at all, but I think (laughs) that like partially it's one of those things that if your whole, like if you're caught by surprise by something, then you've had this whole life plan. And he used to always make fun of me for having all these plans. He'd be like, I do not think that far ahead. I was like, you decided your whole life that you were going to move and be a different person. And I was just, unfortunately, he he kept saying to me, I wish that we would have met as friends, not because I don't love you, but because I don't want to be without you. And I know that like in a relationship, we have to, like we can't do this. But if we were friends, we would have been able to be together. And maybe we would have like fallen in love like later. And I told him when he said that, X, I would have fallen in love with you anyways. Like, I would have. That's why I wish him so much well, because I hope he finds the transformation he was looking for. And I think this is exactly what I needed to have confidence that I can be in a relationship that's healthy, that's happy, because I conquered one thing I never did before. I was in a relationship with someone, a very serious relationship. I fell in love with someone and I got heartbroken. And I think like now this new era of me will level up and just be like, It'll be something new and it'll be so much more rich of an experience because I had that. So I think that's very interesting, but I don't know if that's how you felt, but that's in my mind how I'm rationalizing how he felt. (laughs) I love that. And I think what a lot of us feel when we know that we might not need to be with somebody anymore is tension. Mm -hmm. And you also feel a lot of tension when you are going through a time of growth and development. Mm -hmm. And so if those feelings are opposing each other, then you should always choose your personal growth because we are so young. Like my frontal lobe is still developing. Mm -hmm. Maybe not all after all the weed that I'm smoking out here in Denver, but (laughs) maybe I've stunted it a little bit. But in my relationship, I learned that when I came to Denver, it was not easy. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be sunshine and rainbows. Like maybe six months in, I would find my best friends that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I would know what grocery store I would go to every week. I would have so much comfort here. Yeah, absolutely. That was not the case. <laughs> no, moving to a new city is really hard. And it took a huge adjustment period for me. And it tested my self-esteem and it tested my confidence it made me feel like, what have I done? Why have I abandoned people that I should have just went where I knew my best friends were going? And then Charlie, I mean, sorry. And then my ex chose to move <laughs> to Denver and it felt like a comfort thing. I would have somebody, I would have my person here. And when I slowly started to realize that we were not supposed to be in a relationship anymore. Sometimes that comfort took over. It was Mm. the priority because I wasn't where I wanted to be in my life in Denver. But on the flip side, 
It was also a huge victory that I was able to break up with him because I knew that meant I had found my circle of friends. Mm. I had found my home in Denver and I never would have been able to end that relationship without establishing a support system here. So Mm -hmm. it was also something for me to say, you should be proud of yourself because who can break up with someone without a support system behind them? I love that you drove to your friend's house right after you had a breakup because that's exactly what I did. I said, you all need to rally behind me right now. They had had conversations upon conversations with me, even when I was feeling like I needed a breakup. And so I will forever be grateful for my friends, Mm -hmm. especially my female friends who made me feel like that was a possibility for me. And now I've grown and developed so much because I was able to do it. I love that. And that's so great to hear. And having like very strong female friendships, I think is definitely a huge milestone to have. And it doesn't have to be a ton of them, but just like having those people because they hopefully like when you have great friends, they have your best interests in heart and they're there to support you and to listen to you and give you that sounding board, especially when you're doing things that suck. Like Nobody can, I cannot, even though our, like our relationships are weirdly similar and like the breakups were like very close and they cannot be more vastly different of relationships. And I will never understand what it felt like for you. And you won't ever understand what it felt like for me and they won't either. But it's like, we've all been through some type of like heartbreak. And as a friend, as a girl, you just you just want to be there for those people. And I think that's awesome that you were able to have that in Denver. Oh my gosh. And so you cute. were you were the friend for me. And so many people honestly did this for me when I said I was going through a breakup. And it wasn't like, oh, I totally understand where you're coming from. I've been through a breakup. Everybody was so open to hearing about my experience. And mm-hmm. that made me really happy because I was able to vent and say what I was feeling without anybody else trying to take over the conversation or relate it back to them. And I really appreciate how you did that for me. Oh, that is so sweet. And you obviously let me talk about mine. You said I did not know how to be like, also, I broke up with my boyfriend. And I also think that it would make for much healthier relationships and much healthier endings to relationships if we didn't have this idea that being broken up with is embarrassing Mm -hmm. and being the person who breaks up with someone is powerful. Mm. That's just not the way it is. Honestly, now I can look back at the person who broke up with me. Wow, he really gave me a gift. Because who knows how long I would have stayed in that relationship that wasn't right for me. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's so powerful. That's such a, that's such a great thought. And I think like once people really embrace that and if people do believe that breaking up is the power move and being dumped is the weak move, it's just a sign of like either toxicity or like needing to grow up. So immaturity, full show. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. (laughs) If you're with someone and they say, I've never been broken up with. Check yourself. (laughs) And if they're using that as a bragging point, I'm sorry, why are you deriving your self-confidence from rejecting other people? Literally, that's a good question. 
Yeah. That's not rhetorical either. <laughs> red flag. Red flag. <laughs> Major. Like the red flags are flying in the air when you hear that. Next steps. So you have been single now for like two and a half-ish months. Like, I mean, Denver is called member for a reason. Like, do you think you'll be on the Denver dating scene soon? That is a great question, Emma Austin. <laughs> I don't... I'm going to keep things casual for a while. Mm-hmm. I do not need to rush into anything serious. I'm not feeling that pull at all. And I'm not saying that I'm necessarily not ready for something casual, but I'm not forcing it. Like mm-hmm. I'm not seeking out a rebound right now, but I know that somebody will fall into my lap when it comes to it. And I do see a lot of beautiful men around Denver. (laughs) Who knows if they're in relationships or if they prefer other men, but (laughs) they are good to look at for now. Just some eye candy. Heck yeah. And I think I'm also putting myself in situations where I can meet people. I'm going out for drinks with people. When people invite me to something, I'm saying yes. And I'm not the biggest fan of the apps and I'm not on them yet. Not to say I never will be, but right now I'm having a really good time just hanging out with my friends in the wild, seeing a cute guy here, seeing a cute guy there, but it's not a huge pressure point for me to find a new relationship. Love to hear it. That's great to hear. Whenever, if you are a man in Denver that happens to be listening to this or a girl who has a man in Denver... Um, and you think that Steph and him might be the good vibe, send him to the local spots and maybe they'll run into each other, but he's currently <laughs> I'm just so afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I actually told my boss on a call, she was like, oh, how's your boyfriend? And I said, well, well, you see, the thing is, that is not a thing anymore. And she was like, oh my gosh, really? She goes, well, are you dating somebody else? I'm like, first of all, it's been two weeks. Second of all, I'm keeping things casual. And she said to me, well, if you're keeping things casual, then you better use protection. <laughs> Stop. Shelly from HR is screaming. Shelly from HR is listening to this going, no. She's like, you can't say that. That's inappropriate conduct. <laughs> I honestly think that it was very sex positive of her to say that. No, we I like love that. But let's be honest, if it came from a man's mouth, I'm calling Shelly. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, she's just as much as my boss as my work mom. So I appreciated it. I love that. That's so sweet. Any other like wrap up thoughts before we do your big sister advice? Wrap up thoughts. One, we both have greatly benefited from therapy. And I truly think I would never have been able to, you know, be where I am right now if I didn't go to a therapist who led me in the right direction for me. And if you are wavering on somebody or you are going through a breakup, write your thoughts down. Mm -hmm. Because your post-breakup brain is crazy She wants dopamine so bad. And you know how she's going to get it? By thinking about your ex and by trying to get in contact with your ex. So I did this thing with my last relationship and I did it with this one as well, where I wrote down all of the feelings that I was feeling when I was with them, mostly the negative ones. 
Mm-hmm. And then I wrote down all the reasons why we should not be together. And every single time that I was questioning my decision, I revisited my own thoughts in my own handwriting. And it was taking advice from myself. Do not go back there. I love that. It's funny because instead of writing mine down, I post them on TikTok. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Also a way to revisit it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a little diary for me. I think that's so powerful. Um, I will say, yeah, absolutely agree with you, therapy. If I was not in therapy during this time, woo, we mama, I don't know how I'd be doing because even just like little tips on mindfulness and letting thoughts go and understanding the physical effects of your feelings. Like that is just so key. So, you know, I agree with that again, we're not professionals. So if you are in a position that you need, that you feel, you know, a little lost or you want to talk to somebody really, or do you just want some maintenance man therapy? It could be a little expensive, but it is definitely worth every dollar. Sure. Also, my compliments to the chef who makes it cold turkey because having a relationship that ends without the anticipation that you will be contacting each other a bunch is so much easier to heal from than when you see each other and when you're reaching out, than when you're still physical with each other. That is when things get very messy and it actually delays the healing process so much. Oh yeah. I mean, I like you could have talked to me two and a half months ago when we first broke up. And in my mind, like, yeah, like the whole of central Indiana knew that we broke up. Like I told everybody, but like, did I act like we were broke? Like I would go to the bars and I'd be like, I'm going to talk to a boy tonight. And then I was like, but I'm thinking about him because I still thought I was like, Oh my gosh, it could still be a chance after this. It's like, no, it's over. I have not contacted texted and it's, it's made a lot of a difference. Granted, it's only been two weeks, but I mean, damn, is it hard? But yes, but I mean, I'm like finally coming out of the relationship. When you love somebody, you look at them and you say them very differently. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Thank God for that. Because if we all needed to date a man who looked like Joe Burrow, then very few of us would be dating men right now. Oh, yeah. We need those rose-colored glasses. Otherwise, we will never be happy. No, we literally do. Okay. So how in the fuck are we talking this along every time? We're already at the 10-minute mark. So I want you to, Steph, I want you to end off the episode. What is your piece of big sister advice? Sure. I am very excited to give big sister advice because I am the youngest of four siblings and I have two older sisters. So (laughs) this is not something I get to do often just going off of relationships, because I feel like that is something that we talked about so much in this episode that I am getting a lot more clarity on. And I feel like I have a little bit of right to give advice on it. You will never be able to fix a relationship pattern if you don't notice it. Mm. And even if you do notice it, it's not going to go away on its own. My avoidant attachment style, while it is many times funny, is not a part of myself that I was proud of. So I read the book to work on it. And because I want to be in a healthy relationship where I don't get the ick or where I'm not avoidant. And so if you are noticing that you're going for the wrong types of people or you yourself are the wrong type of person in a relationship, 
listen to podcasts, read books, address it head on because it's not like, okay, one day I'll turn 29, I'll be emotionally mature and I'm ready for a long-term stable relationship. This shit takes work. And I think that everybody deserves to do that work for themselves because how many of us don't have relationship issues? Not very many. And I think we all deserve to be able to work on ourselves and have healthy and happy relationships, but that's going to be on you. Oh, I love it. That was such good big sister advice. You killed it. You killed Am it. Am I a good big sister? You're should a great I ask big my sister. mom to reproduce at the right you, age you of 65? <laughs> you should ask your mom to reproduce. No, I love it. That was such good big sister advice. Well, Steph, thank you so much for being on this episode. You know how much I love talking to you. And I really think that the audience is going to... And the listeners are really just going to love this episode because, again, I think that a lot of people have been in your shoes and you're just a great gal. So where, oh gosh, where can people so find you? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm forgetting all of my social media. Um, I can link you You can find me, Steph Schlick 14 on Instagram and... <laughs> I think that's the only social media platform that any of you will want to find me on. Love it. I'm you can obsessed. find me in Denver. Find find me in Denver. I love that. Don't actually look for her, but if you see her, give her give her a shout out. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming, Steph. You are such a gem and I'm so glad I was able to have you on. I love you so much. I'm so happy that everybody else gets to experience my big sister. Oh my gosh. Stop. You'll give me a big head. You really will. <laughs> It's really too late for that. <laughs> no, literally. Oh my gosh. 